In sad news, we regret to inform you all that in the wake of the election results, we've decided it's time. John's wife and he, in utter disgust, have elected to leave America and move to Alaska, where they still run a civilized and balanced nation. Well, if you wanted honesty, you've come to the wrong place. This is the Disinformed Podcast. I'm Shane. I'm John. And I'm Michael. And we are thrilled to have you here on the other side of the rectum. Yeah, honestly, I can't wait to run with the bears and swim with the salmon. Yes, yes. All the salmon swill. swill. (laughs) They swill upstream. Ooh. Kinky. They instinctively flock like the salmon of Capistrano. <laughs> so as as you guys know, I'm uh, well, quab not God well, I'm, for the for the for con. I, I'm a God fearing. You are a very a open and man. outspoken conservative. We know this. Yes, and I I watch my my porn just just like you guys do, uh, shamefully on a toilet incognito mode, <laughs> one screen at a time. Yeah, just one screen one screen at a time. Um, something interesting has happened though and i don't know how this has happened and if anyone out there is experiencing something similar please don't let me know it finally Um, fell off so i was going to uh enjoy some self-love the other day and i pulled open uh google chrome on my phone went into incognito mode as you want to do yes because we don't want uh, the government watching and i type in because i'm going to go to pornhub and i type in p O R and the moment I hit N for the first time ever in incognito mode it populated a suggestion <gasps> and it populated Uh-oh. pornography and depression <laughs> <laughs> so the Joe Rogan podcast has crept up into your life yet again <laughs> I felt so so seen but I, I still want to porn up, and I still did what I was there to do. But yeah, I mean, did that how ever, else are you going to cure you the depression? Yeah. Uh, no. no. <laughs> Why did that happen to me? It's a I sign. realized my depression when I was sitting at a place like, you know, f- fervidly and hurriedly downloading pornography onto a computer so I could get out of my workplace and go home. I mean, yeah, th- those moments fair. occurred to me. <laughs> yeah, I just, I, I'm not a... Not a porn addict, like you know, like I, I don't know. Aren't you? I, I guess we all are in some way or way, shape, or form. I, anyway, yeah, so that was uh, that that was that was my my thing. That that's don't what happened. Don't want to me. be porn anymore. We also haven't talked about that in a really long time. I feel like for True. we had like a yes. series, like a season one, like arc of like four episodes where at least fifteen minutes each somehow got onto the topic, and then we realized that we could talk about better things. 
Well, John, as with our own personal arcs, we can only do so much and then we need to have a moment of reprieve so we can reload for the next arc that we're going to be shooting somewhere. That is very, you know, that, that's a fair point. Michael, your, your arc is that you were trying to be a better listener for a while and you were trying to engage more and you're trying to be just an overall, a better meng. And you, you were doing really, really, you, you were making some <laughs> solid steps. And then you hit me up over the weekend. You're like, Hey, are you working right now? Sure am, Mike. Cool. Me and the lady, we're going to, we're going to come hang out. We're going to, we're going to come see the new spot and, and, uh, you know, see what it's about and have, have a couple beers. Oh no. Sweet. Can't wait. And then it's a busy day at work. I don't have any, you know, awareness of how much time has passed. And I get a message. Hey, are you fucking with me? Are you not working today? I'm, I walked up to the front door and it's locked. <sighs> and as I'm reading this text message, I'm looking around at a full bar. Um, and I, I don't have time to respond, but eventually, Oh, I, I do respond. I take, I respond with the, the name of the business that I work for now. And I get back. Bruh. <laughs> and then I think the next thing I said was, I'm so fucking stupid or something to yeah, that effect. Yeah, you yes. definitely did say that. And then you uh, showed up to the correct address 40 minutes later because <laughs> so it's 40 Michael, minutes away where, from where you were. Where did you go? Um, so I, Joe. I went to a place in South Mesa. <laughs> And I know now that he is not anywhere next to South Mesa. Mm-hmm. Quite far from. My one defense is that I thought you said that it was next to a uh, venue that you had performed at previously. And I thought it was I the wrong say, I actually venue. did say that. Yeah, yes. You thought, you see what I, happens when you don't mm-hmm. critically listen? Yeah. And then the icing on the cake, because I just felt like it was my responsibility uh, at that point once you arrived... To like make your day a little harder is I, I planted the seed in your girlfriend's brain that you don't listen. She already that knows paid that. off yet? Oh, <laughs> she, already, she already knew that. There, there was no seed. It was already like a full-grown oak tree. Well, her daughter has a name. If we're counting all Ooh. the seeds that have been planted here, um, it's gonna <laughs> oh, be a boy. minute. Uh, amongst the three of us, I should say, not specifically in your girlfriend. <laughs> I'm, I'm Whoa. veering Bruh. away from that topic. Um, speaking of uh, people not listening and being dissatisfied, uh, the Taco Bell Corporation has not been listening to their constituency. And much like the present political climate, folks aren't going to take this anymore. So I shared this little news story with my uh, friends here, and we're going to have a moment to discuss it amongst ourselves. But I felt this headline bore discussion. Taco Bell customers stage protest over the chain's, quote, unquote, upsetting menu change. The, quote, I can't eat there anymore. There's bones in the food. They found bones. The bones are the dollars. Well, in their world, bones. They pour the queso up, but not out. Yeah. To get another shot at life. Is this a movie reference I'm too uncultured to understand? No, there's nothing cultured about this. To crib from seven, as I was saying to Melissa earlier, we got culture coming out of our ass. Uh, So, Taco Bell customers are getting political, at least when it comes to their favorite menu items. The fast food chain announced a series of changes to its menu earlier this year, sparking a wave of reactions online. 
And now it seems that the response has spilled over into the streets, according to a TikTok user by the name of Boop. Uh, this individual who lives in San Diego drove by a few protesters speaking out about Taco Bell's new menu. Namely, the sign-wielding activists seemed angered that the restaurant recently decided to remove all potato-based items, which upset many vegan and vegetarian customers. Taco Bell hates vegans, one protester's sign read. Now, the sign is pictured here. It features the, um... What is it? The the seasoned potato taco? I should note, this taco contains cheese and a sour cream-based sauce. Yeah. And it does in the picture as well. Yeah. So you should say Taco Bell hated vegans when they put this on the menu in the first place, if that's really the hill that you intend to die on. That is exactly what I was going to come in here to say. But I'll yes. let you finish. Uh, you're, you got some more to read, huh? Uh, so in any event, through the window of his car, Blackburn responds to the... Oh, I've said the name. Drat. Uh, he responds to the, the young yes he responds to the young men in the video telling them that he's also upset over the new menu here's the quote dude i'm vegan i can't eat there anymore the gentleman says in the clip. eloquent mm-hmm. <laughs> the video has since drawn more than 750,000 views as well as plenty of feedback from other tiktok users many said they found the protesters hilarious while others used the opportunity to bemoan the quote-unquote upsetting menu changes. The only good thing I ate at Taco Bell were the potatoes, one user wrote. As a vegan who used to love Taco Bell, they're doing the Lord's work, (laughs) another added. (laughs) It's worth noting that while Taco Bell... Doing the Lord's work. (laughs) It's worth noting that while Taco Bell potatoes have disappeared from the menu, there are still vegan-friendly to items available. According to the company's website, items like the bean burrito, the veggie power menu bowl, and the black bean crunch wrap supreme are all vegetarian. Several items on the menu can also be ordered with beans instead of meat and cheese, which is Asher's go-to for those of you playing the home game, making them vegan-friendly. Still, many Taco Bell lovers are unhappy with the new menu. Here's the kicker, kids, and this is what actually prompted me to discuss this amongst ourselves. In July, one customer launched a change.org petition to stop the removal of another item, the fan favorite Mexican pizza. Yeah. As of November 9th, the petition has received more than 141,000 signatures. Wow. That's change I can get behind. July was a pretty boring month with so many people dying. Um, so I'm sure people had a lot more time to uh, to be activists for something so brave and stunningly important as uh, Mexican pizza. Mm-hmm. In a world where despotic dictators are committing mass genocide, where female circumcisions are happening against people's will, I need to take to change.org to save the motherfucking Mexican pizza. Yeah, I actually, I think, I think maybe we can be, uh, you know, figureheads for this movement because I feel I'm like, down. I feel like we all, I feel like what they really need is like a really successful and popular brand <laughs> to, uh, to endorse that idea to help push mm-hmm. it along as quickly as humanly possible. So, I mean, obviously um, our, our numbers, uh, for downloads specifically dwarf the 141,000. I mean, we get that yeah, in a so, week. I was going to say, like, so maybe maybe at this point, if if you guys are OK with it, uh, it would be a very uh, polarizing moment for us. But maybe yes. maybe we can go on 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 record, um, you know, 
don't get rid of the Mexican pizza. We yeah, will I mean, we will fight for you, Taco Bell. Uh, listen, we will fight you for the Mexican I, pizza. Hell, yeah. Remember have, the Mexican pizza Alamo. Easy. <laughs> I have been well documented for years upon years as having a body made by Bell. They have most certainly sustained me through years and years of the physical abuse that I have done to my gastrointestinal tract. And you're still so, alive. I am still kicking. And it's probably just the chemicals in the Taco Bell that has animated my body. <laughs> one, one could argue, one could make the argument that if you had not ate Mexican pizzas from Taco mm-hmm. Bell, mm-hmm. that you would be dead already. Yes, I would be a much lesser man, mostly in stature, if I had abstained <laughs> from eating the Mexican pizza. But so, uh, listen, I love it. I'm, I'm taking nothing away from it. If you want to save the Mexican pizza, I'm down with that. But I just yeah. uh, let's. Why are we clogging up the beautiful pathway of change.org <laughs> yeah, to no. try to save this? But it's also the reason that they're removing the Mexican pizza is it's the only thing in the entirety of the Taco Bell chain that uses the packaging that they use for it, and it is not like it's environmentally safe and that is the primary reason they're using it is one it takes too much time to make them (laughs) and they don't want to ruin the environment and motherfuckers are still sitting there from a bark a lounger just barking at a computer screen like i want my crispy cheesy goodness well just order another menu item that has those same fucking components in a different configuration and how it's listed on the menu right because that's the only difference and i I will i will say at least one thing that that is the only menu item that has been taken away i found recently that they took oh, away the tons. shredded chicken uh burrito uh-huh. yes. which was one of my Delicious. favorite things yes agreed i had to get yeah. a grilled chicken burrito and it just i almost I, just, I almost threw it away it was, mm-hmm. it was at just this that point bad. you can smell the caucasian through your speakers um <laughs> that we're reviewing taco bell items it's a different uh, smell sir yeah <laughs> yeah that's that white person smell um yes. so cracker <laughs> Uh, he's up Speaking there. on our much more pressing priorities um, at hand, yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, well, I was going to say, like, on a serious note, for the vegan and vegetarian crowd, do you really think all the times that you've ate Taco Bell that you have not had your food cross-contaminated with meat or, you know, uh, you know meat byproduct? Mm. Because Asher... To his credit, and again, it's why it's hilarious to me to see him eat fast food in general. Because yes. when I first met him, and we were, you know, playing music a bunch, and just, you know, you a lot of fast food when you're when you're playing music. You know, that's just hand in hand. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's cheap and, and easy. Well, the schedule I, also precludes you from getting reasonable access to food during yeah. you know open hours. It's fast and easy. Sorry, he would. I don't remember how it came up, but he would not eat. Uh, veggie burgers from Burger King, and I'm still sure that he doesn't to this day. And his mm-hmm. reasoning is that they do not use separate grills yeah. uh, for the burgers, so it's the right. same thing. So you want to tell me? And and you know what? I could be completely off base here, and you know they could have it separated at Taco Bell, but I'm gonna go ahead and guess if they're getting rid of the Mexican pizza because it's the only thing that uses that packaging. That they're not using separate prep stations uh, for for all this stuff. So. What a weird fucking hill to die on. It is. Um, I will say, based off my own experience working fast food, that, um, yeah, there, there's plenty of cr- cross contamination. Um, specifically, like, we have, we won't wash the, the cutter. 
So the pizza cutter between pizzas, because then otherwise that's wasting a lot of water. Right. So if you're vegetarian or something like that, you have to request a clean cut, which a couple of people do. Uh, and then we'll go wash it if off. You at know, that point. you know things. Yeah, yeah. Yes, exactly. It's the same reason why, like, there are people that, uh, um, can't eat like pork or beef or stuff like that, but then they'll still order pepperoni, which. <laughs> Yes. I don't know what animal you think we make that out of. Uh, hey, unicorn? Yeah, exactly. Speaking on the, the whole, uh, you can smell the Caucasian conversation real quick. Um, I just recently had pepperoni pizza for the first time and since I started eating meat again. Look and at I you. have oh. been missing out on such goodness and tastiness. Tasty, tasty, beautiful pepperoni. Wait, are you going full in with the meat? I thought you were just doing chicken. <laughs> oh, I put the meat fully in. Oh. <laughs> he usually does. As, mm, as she, uh, no, no yeah, drop spared. Yeah. Seen it. Uh, <laughs> felt it. <laughs> Cried over uh, it. But to answer your question, yes, I am. Oh, okay. They also do uh, make some, I think I have seen like a, a turkey pepperoni somewhere at the very yeah, least. Yeah, yeah, or, oh, yeah. Or even now... I'm sure we're not far off from beyond or impossible having a good, uh, faux option. Cause I honestly, I still, I really, like, you can't really beat a real burger. And I'll admit to anyone who's told me that over the years. I was like, no, fuck you. I'm a vegetarian. Um, it's however, all about the impossible the and beyond. That's exactly it. It also kind of just, listen, will this will help to kind of encapsulate our privilege here yeah. firstly but then to kind of go on to why we're talking about this in the first place is uh we could have gotten very political here and i had a wonderful little moment of uh, a lapse last week that we're not going to address but uh <laughs> the last <laughs> year beautiful. has basically been like sucking shit through a straw is it's just a painstaking and horrific process that leaves you with a bad taste in your mouth well that's how that's my breakfast every morning is listen other than the fecal filiacs amongst us (laughs) uh but so you know i i think we are going to make a concerted effort to try to just bring ourselves the more lighthearted fare and uh, try to keep this as a, a distraction and a diversion from regular life and our therapy, we can, you know, leave to the after dark. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> no smart. one's watching that anyway. Uh, <laughs> but I actually really enjoyed um, the faux, not faux meat, like impossible stuff, but the old veggie burgers that used to consist of like rice based or yeah. black bean based. Yep. That's like my shit. The crisp crunch kind of like morning, mm, morning star, star farms. Yes. Oh, loved those. Cause I hate gristle. So meat in general, hamburger in particular really bothers me. Cause if I get any little like kind of semi chewy thing in yeah. there, I'm turned off completely. So I actually would go to burger places and order the veggie burgers even before I was a practicing vegan for five minutes. And so I yeah, I, I much right, you it. stopped right when I met you, I think. Uh huh. I, I, uh, you know, once I started changing the company that I kept, I, I made better decisions. I cast Very off childish so. things. Well, can I bring up one thing and then we can get into, uh, get into the, the topic? You certainly can. Michael, you informed us that, uh, speaking of, you reminded me, Shane, because you mentioned the after dark, which we mm-hmm. do every Friday. Um, fine point. We got our first copyright claim. Oh, we yeah. did. <laughs> we went after somebody for stealing our shit and using uh-huh. our stuff on their page. And I want paid, goddammit. 
Uh, furthermore, like I was joking, if you had paid it, if you were looking at the damn the weather uh, monitoring, like we got at least five copyright claims for the last episode of Damn Jams as well, by the oh, way. That's so. a good point because I was going <laughs> to, I forgot to ask that, but that makes perfect sense. So yeah. what happens? Does it get pulled or we just. No, they just, you cannot monetize it at all. That money yeah. will then go to anyone who has a copyright oh. claim pending on it. So, so essentially, if it's we're not episode. making money anyway. Yeah, it's it's pointless. Yeah. There's uh actually if it's one person then they would be able to get the money for that mon- so if it is monetized that the person that did the copyright claim would get that money. Uh one of my favorite YouTubers that does a lot of video game journalism, he actually will specifically put in little clips of um music videos or stuff like that into his videos so that there will be multiple copyright strikes. Uh, on each video because he doesn't monetize he monetizes them technically but um he's uh, trying to be a homie he doesn't well no he doesn't get the money anyway because he, he relies on patreon because most of the time he gets to monetize because he's kind of he's a lot like shane i'll say it um, again i think i <laughs> whoa <laughs> sorry no you got me he's really excited guy. because <laughs> i feel like we've been <laughs> you're gonna find I've out how big i am question. with your asshole in about five minutes here brother <laughs> i've asked you this question like 50 fucking times since we've done this show and you still haven't done like a you haven't talked about it like an actual like presentation on it yet or a topic topic and i think you really should deep dive into youtube monetization and like the ins and outs and like why that fucking exists okay, and why it's it, so convoluted because well dude that youtube is something that doesn't is, even understand that yeah i i mean if if there is user or user if there is correct. listener, yeah, if there is listener interest, then I will do that. I can't imagine anyone aside from people that actually have to deal with YouTube being at all fascinated with monetization practices for YouTube. You could bring in examples from like popular people and I don't know. You could, you know, you, you guys are really smart. You're so super smart. We can't touch um, popular people. We, we don't even operate in the same, well, you know, millions of people. Speaking of popular people. <gasps> and uh in user interest um next week we should have a special guest what do you Ooh. know you've wrangled i have christian stitcher um is is confirmed she she's down awesome. she's down to clown Sweet. she's gonna be on air assuming you know the current climate's a little weird with things going on health wise mm-hmm. um but i mean assuming that she still feels groovy she was in our our inner circle during you know you know when you do socially distant hangout so mm-hmm. I, I don't imagine that really changing no um yeah and then i realized also that we could we can do it as much as we want to but anytime we want mr logan on or if we wanted uh sam wise to, uh, to come on the on. uh the smash as well I yeah think you we could do could... you could do that also but i mean as far as easy use like logan could pop into the office yes. here sam could come over to the office because she is also uh lending her uh excellent uh, voice acting skills to Hogwarts School of Prayers and Miraculous. Yes. Days. Um, <laughs> but anyway, I uh, just wanted to get that just, just to remind you guys in the next week, it's going to be Thanksgiving, which I, uh, we were celebrating Becky's dad's 60th birthday, a little like <laughs> Zoom party with Thanksgiving. It, wait for it. Okay. And it, it was a lot like Becky went all out and, made her own version of she found an uh, a website that lets you play cards uh, cards against humanity style games uh like oh, okay. like you would like a jackbox or whatever but she made yeah. dads against humanity 
and like got a bunch of like things that her dad's done. Like she essentially made like her dad into the game, like inside jokes. It was really cute, cute. really fun. Nice. But anyway, we're all getting pretty buzzed and, and drunk through the whole thing. And I don't know how it comes up, but oh, he had us watch some, some trailer for a movie. And I mentioned that something that I like to do every November is watch, watch things killing all that too. <laughs> and I should have like held my tongue. And I, I didn't think that since we were on a YouTube train of like showing each other videos, cause we were screen sharing. Cause now that I know how to do that, mm-hmm. um, you know, with audio <laughs> and they watched the trailer for thanks killing and were, uh, not pleased. <laughs> they were not pleased. Uh, his wife was like, Oh my, oh my God. What is, what? Huh? Well, it's <laughs> so, a good thing your favorite movie isn't Teeth. Uh, vagina Dentate. <laughs> but Speaking anyway, of yeah. uh, the, the holes below the human equator. Okay. <laughs> we'll transition into this week's topic, which you thought we were shaking free of the spoopies just I because October was free. over. But if uh, John and I have just proven, and I suppose to a certain extent, Michael, because I'm it was a horror scared. show last week, oh. uh, L. Ron Hubbard certainly falls into that category if you like good literature. Uh, this week <laughs> we are going to be discussing the Borley Rectory. Huh? Uh, wrecked him. Damn near killed him. Oh. Thanks, Dad. Wrecked him. I hardly know her. In any event, for those who are <laughs> uninitiated, don't let him get away with that. I, I've how given it gets up in. on Michael. I trust me. Nice frightened rabbit reference, by the way. Thank you. You're welcome. You're uh, very welcome. I I truly, sincerely appreciate it. The Julian Baker in my soul just soared. Uh, so what, what was it we, again? The Borley Rectory. I'll get there. You give me give me time. <laughs> a sweet goddamn second, or a quab damn second. Either way, what we typically do here on this inglorious little podcast is that we will dive into a random esoteric topic and in the course of explaining it to one another we will leaven in the occasional lie and uh, it is incumbent then upon the co-hosts to ferret those lies out and call them out by screaming posse or interloper and therein lies the fun of this glorious little podcast as we try to call one another on our bullshit posse <gasps> interloper Thank you. So, this week's esoteric topic is the Borley Rectory. Are you gentlemen prepared? I don't think I am. I'm never prepared. Oh. That has been Very documented. Yeah. Yes. Your husband's idea of foreplay is, Effie, brace yourself. So, for this week's episode, we have, prepare for my Aerosmith reference, Nine lies in the podcast. Okay. Fuck. Nine. Nine? Nine lies. Because this is what you bastards get for saying, please, please do episodes. People people will come around to you eventually. They'll like your stuff. Don't just leave it to Michael. Well, now you get a long-winded topic with so many lies, you'll barely be able to figure out who you are by the end of this. Hello? Exactly. Are you there? God? Quab? (laughs) 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 Sorry, let me take my cock out of your mouth real quick. Go ahead. (laughs) I was flossing my teeth, thank you. (laughs) 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 The Borley Rectory. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) 
<laughs> Clip your cock? Yeah, that's it. Should have should have been done much earlier, my I'll friend. I'll put it in the intro. <laughs> Yeah, well, please don't. That's an exit only. <laughs> so the Borley Rectory was a house that gained infamy as the most haunted house in all of England, after being described as such by psychic researcher Harry Price. Built in 1862 to house the rector of the parish of Borley and his family, it was badly damaged by fire in 1939 and subsequently demolished in 1944. The reason we are discussing the Borley Rectory is because John and I were having a discussion on one of our previous podcasts about the the conjuring and where the nun came from. And the Warrens did, in fact, investigate the Borley Rectory, and the nun is a frequently cited apparition on the premises. Gotcha. Okay. Oh, now, so it's kind of like in, an origin story for a lot of these like hauntings by a nun. You of. would think, but um, there's also oh. the, the actual conjuring film version uh, is a dramatically different thing. And we're not going to get off on that topic yeah. presently. So, okay. Is it actually the most haunted? In, in that is the claim. Uh, I, I have not lied about that. <laughs> Many others very likely have, but okay. that is someone else's bullshit. So, the large, gothic-style rectory in the village of Borley has been alleged to be haunted from the moment it was built. The reports multiplied rapidly around 1929 following the publication of a story in the Daily Mirror, a UK publication, recounting paranormal researcher Harry Price's investigations into the estate. Price has subsequently written two books supporting claims of paranormal activity on the property. Price's reports prompted a formal study by the Society for Psychical Research, and that's fun. It's yeah, try SPR. and get that one, Michael. <laughs> Cyclical. It's, it's exactly. a cycle. Yeah. Cycle somatic. a wheel. <laughs> cycle somatic. <laughs> what I'm saying is that she, uh, you know, she could have duck hunt with a rake. She's high, right? So, which rejected most of the sightings as either imagined. Or fabricated, casting doubt on Price's credibility, which apparently was impeccable previously. His claims are now generally discredited by ghost historians, which apparently also exist according to Wikipedia. Wow, when you suck at your job so much that not even the paranormal people believe you. I'm a ghost historian. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they're also English, so gotta add that fake, you know... (laughs) Parmesan. So, <laughs> or to go back to our, our social network interaction. It was a Parmesan. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about, but all of a sudden it's just a big gaping gob of cheese yeah, on my Boston Shane, uh, Shane got some love for his uh, his Aussie. <laughs> that sounds like a tawdry, tawdry series. <laughs> yeah, uh, it is. <laughs> however, neither the SPR's report nor the more recent biography of Price has quelled public interest in these stories, and new books and television documentaries continue to escalate the public fascination with the rectory. Mm. Please stand far away from the rectory. Please don't look directly at the rectory. People are not allowed in the rectory. The rectory is now calibrating. 
So a short docu. I'm sorry, Michael. Please just indulge. The I was just thinking of something else, but I couldn't think of anything funny. So the rectory is closed for public use. <laughs> well done. Joke. If it makes you yeah, feel better, neither he nor I were thinking of funny things either. Uh, so a short documentary commissioned by the BBC about the alleged manifestations scheduled to be broadcast in September of 1956 was canceled owing to concerns about possible legal action by Dana Barrett, the widow of the last rector to live in the house. The Borley Rectory was constructed on Hall Road near Borley Church by the Reverend Henry Dawson Ellis Bull in 1862. Sorry, my my Checks uh, out. my Sounds Siri inc- setting changed over to uh, British in the middle of that sentence. Sounds British enough, I believe it. Yes, Henry uh, Henry Dawson Ellis Bull needs to uh, show up in the podcast school of uh, prayer and miracles at some point. Uh, it doesn't. It just doesn't ring as much. It's not as good as Robotham. I'm sorry, and, Robotham. and that ain't no bull. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, he moved in a year after being named the rector of the parish. The house replaced an earlier rectory on the site that had been destroyed by fire in 1841. Foreshadowing. Oh, but no. But also, <laughs> I will state, the fire they were referring to earlier, I will help you out, also took place in the 1940s. So there have been multiple fires on this property. God can't burn it so down. remind me not to be there in 2040. It's a, probably it. a best idea. Hopefully none <laughs> of us will be here in 2040. <laughs> Man, I hope so. Not with that attitude. <laughs> there Thank we you, go. Michael. <laughs> so, the grounds are reputed to have housed a secret meeting site for the much maligned rakish fraternity, the Order of the Second Circle. This is bullshit. Like a circle jerk? <laughs> this is no. bullshit. There's no Order of the Second Circle. Uh, it's it the is first. a distant it's a distant fire to the uh distant fire. It's a distant cousin to the Hellfire Club in point of fact. So, they do really bad things to children and women, huh? You would think. But, uh, yes, the Order of the Second Circle exists, hmm. uh, to which the 41 fire has been attributed. However, those rumors have not been substantiated. Go figure. <laughs> uh, it is believed that Duke Wharton, founder of the Order, has quarreled with founding member William Hogarth over the ritual sacrifice of a physically disfigured dwarf in an attempt to consecrate the grounds to Satan. Uh, an ensuing struggle... Why would Satan it. want a disfigured dwarf? It's Why so this he? is weird because also this took place in Ireland as well. There was an instance where the Hellfire Club were also accused of um kidnapping a dwarf because uh, somehow the disfigurement is greater grounds for Satan so they stole one, killed him and they put his bones into the walls of this property that's on Ireland. It's one of the places that they also claim is haunted there. So something about anything that is unnatural to them, quote unquote, was something that drew their attention. I have no idea why, but uh, there's no rationale to that, I will say. Okay. Okay. I was going to so. say cuz I don't I don't understand why Satan's like, "You know what? I'm feeling I'm feeling a disfigured dwarf today. You know, uh-huh. you can sacrifice one. You, you guys have plenty of them around there, right? Yeah, I'll just take one." Right. Uh an ensuing struggle prematurely ignited a sensor which was intended to aid in burning the poor soul to death, which resulted in an inferno engulfing the rectory proper. 
Wait, so they one gentle a, a it's a Catholic thing. So yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah, sort yeah. of like but it's, you know. it's usually like the size of a lantern or something like that. I can't uh-huh. imagine how it would be used to set something on fire. So they had one that. Are oh, you talking a, about the thing that they mm-hmm. do the, like, yeah, they wave around during mass? Incense. Uh-huh. You don't see how I they can use it to set someone on fire. Well, it usually burns incense. Like I uh-huh. can't imagine that. I mean, what if you like, just like stuck a little stick that was on fire at the end of it and then swung it towards the? Well, the poor then fucker why and- would you need a sensor? <laughs> you just have a little stick that you light on fire. Oh, there we go. Like I, it's, I, it's I, more I, theatric. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, I guess you're that's not fair. a sh- you, showmanship. <laughs> that's true. It's all Sense about the showmanship. <laughs> yes. All right. <laughs> the visuals. Fucking me. <laughs> yes, and fun. So, um, I'm going to hell now. Just to make sure, have I stepped on anybody else's uh, arguments against things being disingenuous here? No, I'm sure we've already okay. missed stuff. I've only All pointed right. out funny things. I don't think I've called bullshit. Okay, yet. y'all. John called bullshit on the uh, the order of the second circle. Just so that I'm clear. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I did swing. Okay. Can I All actually? Right. I'll do a formal bullshit on the dwarf thing. I, I feel like. I just want to call it just because I talked about it. You would you would be correct. Oh. You were fishing. You gave that up. I I mean I I want to make sure that no one said this is the most outlandish of things I was going to throw in here. So I just wanted to make sure since there was enough questions around, why would they sacrifice a dwarf? Why would yeah. it be a censor? Like I I feel like you're kind of sniffing already. So I'm I'm giving you know the partial allure there. What you're saying to, is that to Gimli be more gets formal about the bullshit declaration. That's and all what that I'm stuff. hoping yes, to get yes. to because we've fallen into a game of the dozens now. Where if we call bullshit, this very involved process. Yes. So yes, um, they have no idea why the fire was started. So I've made up this entire paragraph. Uh, so okay, there you cool. But the order <laughs> of the second circle does exist. That is an offshoot of the Hellfire Club. So I and felt they like are rumored to have been involved with this no. rectum. No, no, not even they, at they all. Have nothing to do. No, I did damn near all that killed them. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, uh, that's all, Shane. I almost, uh, the reason I didn't say the Hellfire Club is I knew that would get John worked up. So I tried the, the other that order first. Up. I am yeah. very easily triggered. Uh huh. So the nearby church, the nave of which may date from the 12th century, serves a scattered rural community of three hamlets. Alas, I knew Hamlet, him. Hamlet, Hamlet, Hamlet. Uh, poor Horatio, uh, that make up the parish. There are several substantial farmhouses and the fragmentary remains of Borley Hall, once the seat of the Valdegrave family. Did that burn down too? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, oh, I like it when it burns. You need to get that checked. It will fall off. Uh, ghost hunters quote the legend of a Benedictine monastery supposedly built in this area in around 1362, according to which a monk from the monastery conducted an illicit relationship with a nun from a nearby <gasps> convent. After their affair Scandal. was discovered, the monk was executed and the nun bricked up alive in the convent walls as a forced penitence for her sin. It was confirmed in 1938 that this legend has no historical basis and seemed to have been (laughs) fabricated by the rector's children to romanticize their gothic-style red brick rectory. Yeah, because as far as I'm aware, I don't recall no monks, like, just offing people because like you you lived in the borley area uh essentially no but me. monks are supposed to be like you know uh, i don't know peaceful just people like, yeah love god yes. man yeah. you are not ready for the book That's, brother odd 
Are they Good Benedictine for the monks? Dean Coots uh, fans amongst us here? That's very esoteric. Yes, only because I read that earlier this year. Again, good old so, Odd Thomas. It's it's a fun it's time. Not- it's it's fun, but it's not good. It's a weird series. Uh, the first yeah. book I enjoyed. Yeah, not to get too off topic yeah. here, but uh-huh. that one was very very. Uh huh. Yeah. When do we topic. not get off topic? I mean, this is kind of the whole yeah, point we get of this riled, podcast. We get, we, we get riled up a good amount. We have fun. So. The story of the walling up of the nun may have come from Edgar Allan Poe's short story, The Cask of Amontillado, which you'll remember is featuring a gentleman who bricked up a person in a wall. Wait, yeah, yeah. that wasn't tall, uh, tall telltale heart. Tell-tale, no, tell-tale, that was the not heart the telltale was, heart. The heart was buried underneath the floorboards. Uh-huh. I don't. Yeah, uh, he has yeah. a lot of thematic things that he threads together that uh, Poe does. Though for a second, John, I thought you were going to say, I thought that was the Count of Monte Cristo. I don't know why I thought you were going to say that. you know I, I don't thought... read. <laughs> well, I mean, I feel like that one is a little bit more well-known than the cask of Montiato. I mean, he actually founded the school of the John Watkins Educational School for Kids Who Can't Read Good. And want to learn how to do other things good, too. So... Here are the hauntings. <laughs> the first paranormal events reportedly occurred around 1863, since a few locals later remembered having heard unexplained footsteps within the house at about that time. On the 28th of July, 1900, which I love, this is all from a sort of British uh, accounting, so all of the dates are the, the British, so it always is going to precede the day and then the year, which is fun. Uh, day, month, then year, I'm sorry. Uh, the four daughters of the rector, Henry Dawson Ellis Bull, for those of you who didn't remember, uh, saw what they thought was the ghost of a nun at twilight, about 40 yards from the house. They tried to beckon it, but it disappeared as they drew near. The local organist, Ernest Ambrose, later said, you know, the organist, uh, <laughs> he later said the family at the rectory were very convinced that they had seen an apparition on several occasions. And actually, it just ended up being a cat with a lampshade stuck on its head. <laughs> that was a partying cat. Didn't you and have how. Fun? Party pussy. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> going raw dog. Various people claimed <laughs> to have witnessed an array of puzzling incidents, like a Jenga tower standing up in a windstorm. Uh, uh. And a, a phantom coach driven by two headless horsemen and large packs of feral dogs on the property during the next four decades. That one's bullshit. Thank you. Yeah. I had to throw, I'm giving you, when I said there was nine, I'm trying to help out here by making this at least relatively fun. You're also trying to make sure that we're paying attention. We get it. No, yeah, you which got feral I totally dogs. wasn't. Uh, <laughs> I zoned out for a moment. Yeah. So we, yeah. Uh, it was, we documented it was that you're dog shit at listening. Yes. Huh? <laughs> Thank you. Did I almost get you there? The one no. thing that you're you're adamant that people do is the one thing that you don't. Uh, or as I said to my mother one time, the thing that you claim you crave so desperately, you deny to everyone else. So, love. <laughs> yeah, fill in the blank. Let's keep going. <laughs> so the um the phantom coach driven by two headless horsemen is is yes. reported. Uh, the feral dogs is not. Uh, during the next okay. four decades, terrifyingly, many of these cases centered around Bull's daughter Ethel, who reported repeatedly receiving slaps across the face as she lay in bed. What is she, Logan? Apparently. <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, that's enough. Uh, another instance recounted by Bull himself was an incident in the garden, wherein his dogs began to howl and cower at something behind a copse of trees. Bull spotted, amongst the trees, a pair of legs, but as they moved away, he saw almost nothing of a torso, and the body appeared completely headless. He claims it crossed the garden and walked through the locked gate. Reverend Bull also indicates seeing the iconic ghostly coach of Borley with the two horses and a headless coachman leading its way. Bull died in 1892, and his son, the Reverend Henry Harry Foister Bull, took over the property. So there's a, a lot of uh, heads will roll here, apparently. Well, when my blood stops, someone else's will not. Blood stops. Won't turn. Uh, turn. Thank you. Jesus uh, is just a, was just that a, a Spanish boy's name. Yeah, yeah it was really bad because I didn't, I, I didn't really nail the dismount there. But anyway. Uh, he, he got the general gist. Yes. Uh, on the 9th of June... 1927, Harry Bull died and the rectory again became vacant. In the following year, on the second day of October, the Reverend Guy Eric Smith and his wife moved into the house. Soon after moving in, Smith's wife, while cleaning out a cupboard, came across a brown paper package containing the skull of a young woman. I thought you were going to say it was filled with poop and it was on fire, so she had to put it out with her foot. <laughs> or her face. And Dang, that was the origin of that old, uh, that old prank. The old chestnut. Yes. Uh, shortly after, the family reported a variety of incidents, including the sound of servant bells ringing, despite their being disconnected, for those who enjoyed the haunting of Hill House, uh, lights appearing in windows, disembodied screams in the lonely watches of the night, as well as unexplained footsteps, and Frankenstein being very upset. I think I might bring him on for uh, for After Dark so, as a guest so, so the listeners can... Uh, can see him, Frankenstein. His snuffling shit. Uh, in addition, Smith's wife also claimed to have observed a horse-drawn carriage around the property at night. So the carriage is apparently a big deal on the property here for those yeah, who enjoyed Stay Alive. Yeah, about it. <laughs> the Smiths contacted the Daily Mirror, asking to be put in touch with the Society for Psychical Research. On 10th of June, 1929, the newspaper sent a reporter, Edgar Friendly, who promptly wrote the first in a series of articles detailing the mysteries of Borley. The paper also arranged for Harry Price, a noted paranormal researcher, to make his first visit into the house. Every time I hear Harry Price, I think Vincent Price, so I yeah, just imagine that's, him that's, that was my creeping first thought into the... Too, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he arrived on 12th June and immediately observed a slew of new phenomena, such as the throwing of stones, vases, and other objects, cruciforms falling off of the walls, and cruciforms, I should say. Spirit messages, quote-unquote, were tapped out from the frame of a mirror. That's an interesting turn of as phrase. As in, like, Morse code? Apparently. Like... Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, there's a lot of text here, is that, so I... Is that bullshit? No, the spirit oh. messages tapped out from the frame of a mirror is uh, called Someone on Wikipedia did not write this very well, and I did <laughs> not thoroughly copy edit this because I was... There's a lot of text Citation here. Citation needed. Indeed. Uh, Smith's <laughs> wife also later maintained that she already suspected Price, an expert conjurer, of falsifying the phenomenon. Uh-oh. The Smiths 
left Borley on 14th July 1929, and the parish had some difficulty in finding a replacement. Hmm. As you would expect. Huh. The following year, the Reverend Lionel Algernon Barrett, who apparently lived from 1878 to 1945, a first cousin of the Bulls, and his wife Dana, who lived from 1899 to 1992. Whoa. Wait, what? Uh, Dang. Well, it's 1878 to, to 45, and then 1899 to 1992. She had a very long existence, uh, and we'll Especially, find out why yeah. here momentarily. Moved Uh-oh. into the rectory with their adopted daughter, Adelaide, for those who are Anberlin fans, yeah. uh, on 16th October, 1930. Lionel Barrett wrote an account of strange incidents occurring between the time they initially took over as caretakers in October of 1935, which was sent to Harry Price. These included bell ringing, windows shattering, throwing of stones and bottles, wall writing, disembodied screams, and the locking of their daughter in a room with no key. Loki, no key. Uh huh. (laughs) So, I don't understand how it's locked. I mean, there's no key. I guess you're just stuck in there for a while. Uh, sorry. Didn't they do that in Bly Manor? Um, they did it in Hill House. They also did it in Bly Manor. Ooh, yeah, they, I haven't seen Bly Manor yet. Shame on me. I should have investigated for I'm halfway through. Ooh. It's, fair. it's well, worth checking out. Not mm-hmm. to completely derail topics here, but since we mentioned it, I am now nearly 400 pages into 112263 so i am very likely exactly where you are michael i don't know where john uh, yes. is i'm not going to hint at where i am okay. actually um, i started part 5 there we okay. go okay well fantastic that, yes. that's, that's, uh, that's michael that's edit, no spoiler michael edit this out no <laughs> not 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 what they just talked about but i, I refuse I, I, no i want to see where i am because if we're in the same I spot then we're going to have a very nice yes. post podcast talk we um, are officially so anyway, moving into the companion while, podcast Yes, while he's not doing that, um, while I'm not cutting this material, uh, I oh. finished Amnesia the other <gasps> day, Amnesia Rebirth. Nice. It's a really good story. Like, spooks aren't that much, uh, like, it's, it's, it's not that spoopy. <laughs> oh, you're going to this out, too? Because <laughs> I'm not going to not laugh when you say it. <laughs> you know, when someone says something is spooky or, or talks about spooks... In terms of like spooky, scary things, they're not. They're, you know that that's just kind of indicative of how your own mindset is. So what you're but, saying but, is we need to be mindful of the context in which a word is used before we get all <gasps> incensed about whether or not it's racially insensitive. Ooh, yeah. Is that no. so, anyway, John? I am so sorry. I have come leaps and bounds from when Shane first met me as a as a human being. Um, I am on part five, chapter twenty five overall. So third chapter into part five. Okay. Oh, then you might be ahead of me. Then I think we're all going to be converging around the same place anyway. Yeah, so, I'm yeah, moving at a pretty good fun. clip because yeah. I uh, there's this weird thing that's that I've noticed on a lot of books on uh, Kindle. Mm-hmm. And then it's it'll let you. It has an uh, like a little checkbox underneath mm-hmm. where it's like yes, add the audible narration it. for like ten oh, bucks. Nice. And nine out of ten times, it is cheaper to combo buy mm-hmm. than to just go get the audiobook. Like I'm gonna mm-hmm. do. I'm gonna do the final tower um, this way nice. because it'll be ten dollars for the audiobook or ten dollars for the Kindle book, and then another ten dollars on top for for the okay. audio. 
Nice. So there's there's and if you if I want to go do it on its own, just the audiobook would be it's like like twenty four or something. Thirty. Like oh, thirty or thirty okay. thirty five bucks. Jeez. So yeah. That's why it's I did eleven twenty two this way. It's a nice racket. But yeah, I, I remember why I love this book. It it grabs me every single time. Like immediately when I start reading, I can't put it down. Regardless yeah, of how many times I've been through it. It's very nice. Should we give you a click to get back in there, Michael? No, I'm not cutting any of this out. I, I already said that multiple times. He's lazy, oh, was... John. Come on. For I don't know sake, what you Michael, you're please me. take some out. No. Yep. <laughs> I'm not taking this out either. He doesn't yep. edit anything. And you won't no. listen, so you won't know. So, I mean, all exactly. together, we cancel each other out. Yeah, exactly. So, nope, this is going out. Here you go, listeners. <laughs> what, are you going to edit this out, huh? <laughs> you going to do me. the work? <laughs> All right. I mean, putting, putting a gate on three vocals and then doing a limiter. Adding, adding, adding another, uh, adding another bullshit to, uh, to Shane here. That, uh. that, that, that was bullshit. Wow. I, I had a mini stroke there. Anyway, Shane, continue. Well, whenever you kids are done. <laughs> oh, anyway. Uh, so amnesia rebirth right. is a really good game. Thank I just wanted you. to end with that. I realized we'll I didn't to investigate. get my... Yes. So, Ms. Dana reported to her husband a whole range of poltergeist phenomena that included her being thrown from her bed. And it was not his fault, I assure you. <laughs> On one occasion... <laughs> oh, that's foreshadowing for those playing the home game. Oh, no. On one occasion, Adelaide was attacked by, quote-unquote, something horrible. They are going Lovecraftian with the details there, apparently. Something under the bed. Uh, Barrett ah. then uh, tried twice to conduct an exorcism, but his efforts were fruitless. In the middle of the first exorcism, he was struck in the shoulder by a fist-sized stone. Because of the publicity in the Daily Mirror, these incidents attracted the attention of several psychic researchers who, after investigation, were unanimous in suspecting that they were caused, consciously or unconsciously, by Dana Barrett. She later said that she felt that some of the incidents were caused by her husband in concert with one of the psychic researchers, but other events appeared to be uh, her to be genuine paranormal phenomena. She later admitted she was having a sexual relationship with a lodger, Frank Peerless, and that she used the paranormal explanations to cover up her liaisons. How did the so, dick get here? Her being wow. thrown from her bed may have been something a little more insidious than a poltergeist activity. Well, when she you're sleeping with pulled. someone that is without peer, I mean, you kind of have to make up, you know, some sort of story to explain that. Like, Good pun, Dad. Yeah. Uh, I've been sleeping with ghosts, apparently. It's, uh, you the Barretts left Borley in October of 1935 as a result of Lionel's ill health which is probably her slipping strychnine into his evening meals, would be my assumption. Big oof. And now, the Price Investigation. Borley remained vacant for some time after the Barrett's departure. In May of 1937, however, Price took out a year-long rental agreement with the Queen Anne's Bounty, the owners of the property. Through an advertisement in the Times on the 25th of May 1937 and subsequent personal interviews, Price recruited a corps of 48 official observers, mostly students, who spent periods, mainly during weekends, at the rectory, with instructions to report any phenomena that occurred. In March of 1938, Helen Glanville, the daughter of S.J. Glanville, one of Price's helpers, why that is pertinent, I have no fucking clue. Well, here uh, we are. 
conducted a planchet seance in the Streatham in South London. Bless you. <laughs> Jason Streatham. Uh, Price reported <laughs> that she made contact with two spirits. Dana made contact with many more, apparently. But, uh, <laughs> uh, the first of which was that of a young nun who, ident- who identified herself as Marie Lerie. Huh? Marie Lerie. Marie Lerie. Sacre bleu. I'll have none of that. So, <laughs> according to the Planchette story, Marie was a French nun who left her religious <laughs> order and traveled to England to marry a member of the Waldegrave family, the owners of the Borley 17th century manor house, Borley Hall. <laughs> she was said to have been murdered in an older building on the site of the rectory, and her body either buried in the cellar or thrown into a disused well. For those who enjoyed the hateful eight, the hmm. wall writings were alleged to be her pleas for help. Wait, I thought you said she was a nun. Yes, she was a nun. But she moved there to marry. Your guess is as good as mine, my friend. This yeah, is Michael, not my bullshit. Michael will have, no, Michael will have neither, none neither of that. Nope, not okay, my bullshit. Okay, well, never mind then. I know. Uh, one well, of the yeah. This oh, is how darn it. <laughs> convoluted this nonsense is. She was thrown in a well, and I said, well, anyway, continue. Well, well, oh, darn well. it. Uh, well. The wall writings were alleged to be her pleas for help. One read, Dana, please help get me out. All right. That's uh, oddly specific. Okay. It's strange how that works out. <laughs> hmm. And Dana was not having sex with a man at that time. Well, well, I mean, if she was, she definitely wouldn't have noticed that writing on the wall. She felt the spirit, certainly. Uh, (laughs) The second spirit to be contacted identified himself as Sune Amure, which is uh, S-U-N-E-X-A-M-U-R-E-S. Bless you. Have fun with that, friends. (laughs) Who claimed that he would set fire to the rectory at 9 o'clock that night, the 27th of March, 1938. He also said that at that time, the bones of a murdered person would be revealed. And now, the rectory after the fire. On the 28th of March, 1938, the next day after the presupposed date, the new owner of the rectory, Captain W.H. Gregson, was unpacking boxes and accidentally knocked over an oil lamp in the hallway. Aw, oh, shucks. The fire quickly spread and the house was severely damaged. After investigating the cause of the blaze, the insurance company concluded that the fire had been started deliberately. Who would have thunk? Ah, <sighs> oh, moving into this house to be a shame if I burned it down on accident. Oh, whoops, I just knocked over that oil. Oh, I just lit a match and threw it on there. Oh, I'm off thumbs today. Also, a ghost said that today would be the day when this house would catch fire. <laughs> ah. So, a Miss Williams from nearby Borley Lodge said she saw the figure of the ghostly nun in the upstairs window and, according to Harry Price, demanded a fee of one guinea for her story. That what? is not racially insensitive, Michael. That is a form of currency. <clears throat> oh, I was going to say, is that what they're calling it nowadays? But uh, I guess I was wrong. You sad man. In August <laughs> of 1943, Price conducted a brief dig in the cellars of the ruined house and discovered two bones thought <gasps> to be of a young woman. 
<gasps> the bones were given a Christian burial in Liston <gasps> Churchyard. Oh, goodness. <laughs> After the parish of Borley refused to allow the ceremony to take place on account of the local opinion that the bones found were those of a pig. And not, in fact, oh. currency. Well, I mean, I, well, you know what? I was going to make a joke. I'm, I'm not. I'm I appreciate not. Continue. that. Well Con- done. Continue, I, I, yes. If it wasn't Dana Barrett, we can't conclude that it was actually a pig. Uh, <sighs> so. <laughs> the Society for Psychical Research Investigation. Finally, after Price's death in 1948, the Daily Mail reporter Charles Sutton accused him of faking phenomena. Oh, of course you accuse him after he's dead. Do, do, what are you going to do, defend do, do, do. yourself? If you were a re- if ghosts were real, you'd come back and defend yourself. Yeah, fuck me that yourself, That would be the appropriate coward. way to do so. <laughs> Fight me, coward. <laughs> uh, Sutton claimed that whilst visiting the rectory with Price in 1929, that he, I'm assuming this is Sutton, was hit on the head by a large pebble. Sutton then stated that he seized Price and found his coat pockets filled with different sized stones. <sighs> I, don't 19- I don't know why. I know. <laughs> you got a rock in your pocket? <laughs> so in 1948, Eric Dingwall, K.M. Goldney, and Trevor H. Hall, three members of the Society for Psychical Research, two of whom had been Price's most loyal associates, investigated his claims about Borley. Their findings were published in a 1956 book, The Haunting of Borley Rectory, which concluded that Price had fraudulently produced much of the phenomenon. The Borley Report, as the SPR study has become known, stated that many of the phenomena were either faked or due to natural causes, such as rats and the strange acoustics attributed to the odd shape of the house. In their conclusion, Dingwall, Goldley, and Hall wrote, When analyzed, the evidence for haunting and poltergeist activity for each and every period appears to diminish in force and finally to vanish away. Terence Hines specifically wrote, Miss Dana Barrett, wife of Reverend Lionel Barrett, who lived at the rectory from 1930 to 1935, was actively engaged in fraudulently creating haunted phenomena. Price himself salted the mine and faked several phenomena whilst he was at the rectory. Dana Barrett, later in her life, admitted she had seen no apparitions at all and that the alleged ghostly noises were caused by the wind. Friends she invited to the house, and in other cases by herself in playing a practical joke on her husband to cover oh. up getting that dick. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> that, that was no practical joke. <laughs> it's practical for her, joke. <laughs> Moaning in the breeze. Practical magic. Starting in the breeze now. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, yeah. The children of the Clipping Reverend that. Harry Bull, who lived in the house before Lionel Barrett, claimed to have seen nothing and were surprised they had been living in what was described as England's most haunted house. Robert Hastings was one of the few SPR researchers to defend Price. Price's literary executor, Paul Tabori, and Peter Underwood have also defined or defended Price against accusations of fraud. A similar approach was made by Ivan Banks in 1996. Michael Coleman, in an SPR report in 1997, wrote that Price's defenders are unable to rebut the criticisms convincingly. And that atrocious dismount gets us to the end of this ridiculous presentation. <sighs> well. For the most haunted was... house in England. 
That was a lot. It yeah. was a significant amount. I am sorry. But uh, as I said, in order to contextualize much of this from the uh, small seed that was, did the uh, Warrens actually ever encounter a nun? We get this bit of nonsense. Hmm. <sighs> Any final stabs at lies before you completely fall asleep? N- no, and I'm not falling asleep. I just, <laughs> where do you, like, I just don't. I don't know where to start. This happened multiple times. I feel like if you you swing and you miss two times, and then you're like, am I just being slap happy for the sake of being slap happy? Or at some point, should I just let you, uh, you know, just, you know, string I mean, it up? Just I die have no qualms in. about that this time. I, I think I interrupted every other sentence that you had there. Did they all, not all of them came forward that they saw nothing, right? Not all, like, all of them came forward and said they saw nothing. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, well, or at least the ones that were alluded to in the article. Uh, that's all I have then. Okay. Miguel. No, okay. I don't want to sit here and try and think about it. Uh, I don't blame you. Yeah. Plus, when I all see right. there's nine of them, I, I almost feel like I overwhelmed you at the prospect of there being so many of them. And yeah. Yeah. So well, there's a new strategy for you. Say that there's 27 there's lies. Yeah. It's like, oh, I technically meant 1932 mm-hmm. when I said 1933. Now, um, Ooh. there, uh, Melissa, whilst I was writing this up, was cackling uh, because I, I she had a sneaking suspicion because you've not gotten many of my previous iterations of discussing Ghostbusters, so you're going to be upset at this one. <laughs> oh, shucks. <laughs> oh, fuck. Um, the individual who lived in the home and who was uh, fooling around on her husband uh, was Marianne Foister. Dana Barrett was famously played by Sigourney Weaver in Ghostbusters. Uh, <laughs> oh! <laughs> oh, fuck you. Yes, you're all. I was like, they're not going to get this. Bravo, they don't know that bravo. movie as well as I do. So, um, yes. Bravo. So, that's, that's a good lie. All that's mentions lie. for the uh, the Reverend Lionel Barrett. His uh, name is actually uh, Algernon Lionel Foster uh, or Foister. And so Dana Barrett does not exist in this story. Uh, you, okay. you did catch the, uh, the order of the second circle sacrificing a dwarf on the property. So congratulations. <laughs> that was uh, appropriately captured. Uh, the stories of the walling up of the nun were not ever attributed to being based on the cask of Amontillado. They are actually oh. attributed to being references to writer Haggard's novel Montezuma's Daughter, which was published in 1893, or Walter Scott's epic poem Marmion, which was from 1808, even though huh. A Cask of Amontillado was actually published uh, in the late 1800s as well. Uh, they were actually pointing to the other two works. So no one okay. had drawn that conclusion. That was for me as I was reading. I was like, this sounds more like that to me, but different circumstances. Well, I guess in, in, in the story, um, he's constantly the guy that's bricking him up is constantly feeding the guy that's getting bricked, I guess, to use that term, mm-hmm. um, constantly plastering him with more alcohol and stuff, right? Right. I'm trying to re- think back to like when i read it in, i think high school or something like that but that was like one minute. of the whole things where it was supposed to be having a dialogue with the guy while he's also breaking him up mm-hmm. while also getting him trashed and keeping him that At way least so he wouldn't notice he didn't brick in his mouth <sighs> not until he was done so uh john also caught the large pack of feral dogs on the property uh, and so congratulations for that um the uh, Reverend Bull's daughter, Ethel, uh, did not reportedly or, or didn't repeatedly 
received slaps across the face as she lay in bed. So uh, you did it only use Logan. It was only <laughs> my virus threat protection is apparently still sound and, and functioning. That's uh, good. But uh, yes, only one night she claimed she was slapped across the face, which. Uh, you know, okay. we'll, we'll call that a cheapy. Uh, but eh, we've done worse without Truly. question. <laughs> um, also, amongst the various claims of paranormal phenomena that were tracked, disembodied screams in the lonely watches of the night were never one of them. So, huh. uh, but the unexplained footsteps, lights appearing in windows, uh, bells ringing despite their being disconnected, those were all things. Uh, the newspaper reporter Edgar Friendly is someone of my own invention. Edgar Friendly is a character from the late 90s film Demolition Man. I knew the last name Friendly sounded fake as fuck. Yeah, I was like, but I didn't call it. And uh, the paranormal phenomenon of cruciforms falling off of the wall also uh, is more attributed to uh, horror films of the present day and did not happen in the course of this story. I was thinking of a lot of like... um, very low budget video ga- horror video games mm-hmm. where you would be walking down a hall and the jump scare would be all the crucifixes attached to the wall like swinging down and you know being inverted so that's what came to mind but i i thought that was they had a basis in it so that was a that was a pretty good lie well thank you uh and then finally the uh date that the fire occurred was actually February 27th, 1939, uh a year after the uh purported claimed uh predicted fire. You so. mentioned that at the beginning. You said it had a fire in 1939. Mm-hmm. I something clicked, but I I I brushed it away. There was a lot of text in between. I I will concede no, that. No, that was good. Sure. That was good. It was it was a um, comprehension test. Yes. Well, and also plus the the fact that you know they claimed there was going to be a fire on the twenty seventh, and then they never went back to it. It's like, oh well, the fire took place a year almost. Oh, uh, yeah, almost a year afterwards, as opposed to the next night. I was like, oh, this is too fun not to. There will be a fire in this place sometime Ooh. in the future. Ooh. And then the rest is me just having to correct this text every time that Foister is is uh, listed and change it to Dana Barrett. So Foister, I believe that I hardly was it. Know her. So that is uh, the the glorious <laughs> nonsensical nine lies. I'm just going to roll right past that, Michael. I appreciated your effort, though. Good. So there was our uh, our quick glance and spit into the Borley Rectory. Okay, you're cool. welcome. That was fun. Yeah. Oh, I like I'm sure. It, <laughs> you, you sound so confident. I've decided no. I'm just going to, you know, drive the Zeppelin into the ground. That's uh, if we're just going to keep running this. I'm just All gonna right. Do... Let me pull this bunny out of the hat. You see the bunny? It's out of that sea. I mean, we've all been dealing with a, a glorious card shark, uh, you know, just playing a game in the dozens with us here for the past few years. So we're there. For sure. Ooh, boy. Ooh, um, oh, jeez. Yeah, a lot of the things that you described about the haunting that were true, mm-hmm. you see the influence to some of the things that we really, really enjoy. Like, yeah. Certainly. Uh, the headless horseman uh, running on a, a, a carriage is, is something, you know, was existed from that. Washington Irving long before then. But, you know, what are you going to Well, I mean, like, if you think about the whole idea behind the actual beheading, it's that, you know, if the the... 
I don't know the name of the per. I don't know the the name of the occupation of the person that sits there, the stagecoach or whatever, mm. the guy that drives it. Um, you're to sit. You're sitting above the coach. So if you hit a low branch, chances are you can behead yourself. It's it's almost the same idea as uh, the um kind of like the urban legend of a person like getting beheaded on a roller coaster or something mm-hmm. like that because they stood up. Like it's it's not something that's probably ever happened, but it makes sense that one could assume that something like that could happen. At being decapitated <laughs> but, while giving roadhead and uh, getting into a small accident, jumping off a penis while giving roadhead because mm-hmm. of a speed bump. Yes. Uh, when. I went to Disneyland for the first time. It was, you know, like family outing, like your typical or stereotypical like family trip. Mm-hmm. You got roadhead. We were, yes, I did from my brother and he just was miserable at sucking cock. Thought it was goofy. Um, I bet he's gotten better <laughs> since, but um, no, we were in line for uh, what's the uh, the space one? Space, space Mountain. Space Mountain. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um and I'm really excited. I'm young. I, I don't, I don't remember how, I'm he not even naive. a teenager. I, he wasn't broken by the weight of society. I'm, I'm getting really excited. And then so he Michael. starts doing the brotherly <laughs> thing where he like tries to get in your head and like fuck with you. Okay. And he goes, so you know, when they were, uh, when they were building this ride originally, you know, they have to put little dummies in the, the seats to make sure that it's safe. And up until recently, I was just reading this that, you know, the dummies, uh, Occasionally came back without heads, depending on how tall they were. So I, in the magical land of Disney, spent my first time through Space Mountain basically crouching, like trying to shrink down into my seat so that I didn't get decapitated, uh, all because of a very well-timed lie. That's beautiful. I love yeah. it. <sighs> and also, they, uh, they use fake cheese. At uh, at that other place, don't they? Yes, they do. In fact, on their pizzas, huh? He forgets the origin Michael. of the podcast. Yeah. Okay, sweet. So you put him to sleep. <laughs> Sorry, what? Huh? Where am I? So what year is it? The next time that I present, I'm going to have an 87 uh, page document that I'll read off of with at least 29 lies. Make sure you add science into it so that you have to have a preface where you like explain these things first. I'm like prepared. if you're if you're treading down that path, you might as well just go full in. All right. It. What if you, you know, planted a lie now and then you didn't admit that it was a lie until okay. 19 episodes from now? I'm ready. Uh I'm going There's to do lie. Flat Earth Volume 3. <laughs> this one's going to pay fun. off, kids. This one's going to pay off, I promise. <laughs> Uh, well, gentlemen, are we ready to put a bullet in the brain of this I think, episode? I think we need Fuck to put it, this. Yeah. I think you need to, you know, you seal this past into the wall. For me, I can't. I can't think of anything else now. Sorry, other than my yeah, warning, bury, so. it, bury it in the wall and forget it. <sighs> Just like those disfigured dwarf bones or whatever. What? That's a good band name. <laughs> disfigured dwarf bones. That actually, yeah, I like it. <laughs> I would go see them. Yeah, yeah, they're they're I'm touring sure with uh, as tall and- as Tyrion right now. <laughs> <laughs> Gushing grannies. Oh, please no, blood loot. No, that's so first season. <laughs> then, I'm gonna make that a thing. I'm sorry, I also, don't care. You and your devotion to that so Raven. Uh, <laughs> it's the future I can see. <laughs> <laughs> Can you bury him in the fucking wall while you're I'm at gonna it? try. You know they had a they had a sequel that no I one think cares. might still be 
<laughs> Ouch. <laughs> that she survived the Cosby show at all is just a wonder for me. So, all right. True. Ladies and germaphobes, that is going to wrap this very uh, erotic. Ooh, yes. <laughs> Sexually charged and prurient episode up in a tightly wrapped little condom. And we thank you all for being here. We uh, sincerely appreciate you listening and downloading and, uh, you know, being wonderful, glorious, people. you know, human the beings people. who use your yes. left and right turn indicators. And uh, we love you. We appreciate you. If you're enjoying what you are hearing, then you can find us on uh, your preferred podcast provider app every single Monday. Our episodes will flee from it as though they have just escaped the mental home. And uh, so please like and subscribe there. And if you dig what we do, please rate and review. You can also find us every Wednesday and Friday at 10 a.m. Mountain Time on the Tubes of You, where we have both Disinformed After Dark and our newly debuted and insanely popular new fan fiction, The Hogwarts School of Prayer and Miraculous. Yeah, and we should note, since uh, that one is monetized and we haven't gotten copyright dinged, yet. Uh, that for every <laughs> fifth monetized. watch, we will donate the proceeds of that particular view's royalty payments uh, to change.org to benefit uh, <laughs> the, the petition uh, to uh, bring back the Mexican pizza yes, at Taco yes. Bell. It's uh, a good cause. I will die on that hill. Like Bomba's socks. Uh, I will be running up that hill to get my Mexican pizza from Taco Bell, <sighs> whether I'm alive or dead at the end of this journey. I also like uh, that you made that as like a Rogan reference as well in the midst of swinging this also, so I applaud you and your efforts. Well played. We'll dig uh, wells for the uh, the pygmies in the Congo, and we will bring back the Mexican <laughs> pizza. <laughs> well, thank you all for being here. We sincerely appreciate your listenership. Please keep on coming back and we will try to keep this as insanely boring as possible we love you for the disinformed podcast i am shane yeah i'm john and i'm michael so long and good night so long and good night <laughs>